Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody! Oh my god, yeah, sorry, I came, a bit, came in a bit hot there. Hey everybody! This is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me! I'm your host, Tom Sutton. I'm a bit excited, as you can probably tell, for some pretty bloody obvious reasons. Those reasons being the and or the Mandalorian. Well, if you're a Star Wars fan, this will not come uh, as... Uh, as news to you, but um, chapter 13 of The Mandalorian, the pressure was on, but boy, did they deliver. Um, just a warning straight off the bat, uh, if you haven't, um, if you're not up to date with The Mandalorian, um, I'm going to be doing full spoiler reaction to the, uh, the latest episode, uh, which goes by the title The Jedi. It's going to be nice. Also, in this episode, we will um, start on our uh, the next scene by scene rewatch and commentary, which should be really fun. Uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, we finished the Rise of Skywalker last episode, so we're ready for a new movie, which is good news. Um, all right, let's do it, <laughs> man. That was an episode, like. It's like, I think if you're um, a kind and generous Star Wars fan, then you're kind of um, allowing for, uh, you know, the different generations to have their own favorite things. And you don't, um, you try not to shit on other people's uh, favorite parts of Star Wars, even if they're not your favorite parts of Star Wars. Um, as I've said before... I like the Clone Wars. The Rebels is fine. Uh, it's it's got some great moments. Um, but yeah, yeah. If you're uh, in touch with anyone who's of the generation that grew up with the Clone Wars, you will know how special that show and those characters are to those people. So it was specifically that Star Wars demographic that was super pumped for um, what. Everyone knew was to come, which was um, the debut of Ahsoka Tano in live-action Star Wars. Um, I'm a fan of the character. Um, you know, I always, uh, I always enjoyed her in the Clone Wars. Um, I thought she was pretty cool in Rebels too. Um, uh, I get, you know, I, I was never that like head over heels in love or anything. Um, but I always liked her. Um, so I have to, I have to say, I am pretty surprised by my reaction to this episode of The Mandalorian. It, pff, the waterworks for people. I mean, not even like, uh, not even the, like the, uh, the uh, ele elegant single single tear, but like full blown ugly crying. What's going on? Now I know it's not just that um, we're seeing a um, a character that we've known for a long time now, since two thousand three or something. Um, it's not. Or no no no, that's too early. 
2007? I don't know. But she's been around uh, for a while at this point. It's not just seeing that character step into live-action Star Wars, which, I mean, I like the animated shows, but come on. Live-action Star Wars is... I think that's what really kind of like feels like real, quote-unquote, real Star Wars, I guess. And the excitement of Clone Wars fans for this suggests that there is a little bit of that in, in, in how they feel about it, about things as well. So I don't think it's just that. It was... I think whenever you get this this kind of feeling that, you know, when they do stuff that pulls you into the world and makes you feel like, wow, this is really... All this other stuff I've experienced in this world is... It's living and breathing. I think that's that kind of, like hits the emotion button a little bit and um because it was i mean it was i was i i couldn't believe that they like i was really uh, my my personal prediction for the episode was that um we would get a whole you know episode a whole story pretty much and you would get ahsoka with the dramatic reveal at the end of the episode and everyone would be like what and then you would get more of her the episode after that exactly the opposite it's like as soon as the episode starts it's Ahsoka Tano on and um I mean that opening sequence of her stalking and hunting those soldiers awesome like she looks super cool like I mean okay folks there's too much like there's literally too much to talk about in this episode there's no way I'm going to remember everything, but I'll, I'll do the best I can. Um, I think I think we have to talk about, you know, visually, how did she come across in live action? She looked fantastic. As soon as Rosario Dawson was, uh, the, the rumor of, of her casting as Ahsoka Tano came out, I was on board. I just think, um, I always thought that she, you know, physically really was a perfect pick uh, for an adult Ahsoka. And, uh, I mean, I'm just a fan of hers. I think she's a, a great actress, um, has real... Um, she has a lot of character. Um, she knows what she's doing. Uh, I think I've, every, I've loved her in everything I've ever seen her in. So um, I was uh, definitely optimistic anyway. But um, she looks amazing. Uh, I think there were a couple of moments where I, I think that, like that, when she's looking up at them on the battlements and, and looking up, at, like the way the Leku sit, to me looked a little bit um, like there was a bit of too much space behind them or something. The, the, the shape wasn't quite right or something. Um, but uh, that was just a, a product of the angle. Of uh, that she was shot at and stuff, because like overall she like she looked great, and it's funny like the face, the face markings and stuff. I really thought they were gonna have to um, really bring that stuff down in order to avoid her looking too cartoony. Um, but they didn't really, they didn't really bring that stuff down. It, it, it's pretty much how she looks in the show in the in the in her animated versions um i thought she she 
sat visually in this world really well, which is funny because, like, I mean, I said about Bo Katan last episode that the artwork on her helmet to me, it's it, to me, it really recalls that. Um, it's it makes me think of Sabine and that kind of like goofy artwork that I just feel like is to me not very Star Warsy. Now I would have. Uh, I would not have thought that Ahsoka would, to me, work actually better than uh, that little paint job on Bo-Katan's helmet. But that's what happened. Um, the, the the costume looks great. The way her sabers sit on her belt looks looks great. That cloak, Mr. Corey Van Dyke from Kessel Run Transmissions pointed out that that is most likely the cloak that she is wearing at the at the end of the last episode of The Clone Wars, which is really nice. Um, so, yeah, that that opening uh, section of her just looks so cool. The white sabers look super cool. She moves great. Her voice is spot on, I think. Like, I'm not... Uh, I'm sure there are Ahsoka super fans who will, you know, will have a little bit of a harder time... Uh, accepting someone who's not Ashley Eckstein doing the doing the voice, uh, but I'm more of a, a casual Ahsoka fan, I guess. And uh, I thought that um, she got the voice just right. I mean, Rosario Dawson, she's been doing this for a long time. She's just confident, and she, uh, the way she delivers lines is perfect. And um, I think that there. I'm really happy that it didn't didn't come across as her, quote unquote, doing an, an Ahsoka voice. It just seemed like Ahsoka. Like I I bought it as that character immediately. Um, and I, the physicality, like I always thought, like um, just the like like Rosera Dawson's build basically is very to me very similar to Ahsoka anyway, um, but. She, I think she put a lot of work into this because the subtleties of how she moves, the way she sets her shoulders, um, the even like little nods and things that she gave, it's totally Ahsoka. It's great. Great, mate. Yeah, so Rosero Dawson, take a bow. You smashed this. Um, so that was nice. Um, but back to the emotional reaction. Um, you know what, what's, what scenes really did it for me? Um, it was the scenes where you see them, they're in, in the forest or what's left of it. And, um, and she's kind of communicating with Grogu. Ah, I love that name. I just, you know, I've been thinking, like, because if you're not going to give the character a name, people are going to start coming up with theories, and then, like, how exciting can a name be? Like, once you finally revere it, I'm sure the reaction is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's good, I guess. Yeah, that'll do. Um, but Grogu, I like it. So I, to me, it's the exact right combination of ugly and cute, which is exactly what Baby Yoda is. An amazing combination of ugly and cute. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
Little Grogu. I, I like it. Anyway, so when she's first talking to him, and it's just like uh, there's no dialogue, it's just um, the music and those two sitting together and uh, Din Djarin pacing off in the distance. Ooh, I don't know why, it just hit me. Like, it was so lovely. And especially, you know, like towards the end where you, you realize that you kind of can see that there's been a, a communication or an understanding re or, you know, something has happened between them. And the smile that uh, Ahsoka gives him and he puts his little hands up like, I want the cuddle. And then when she picks him up, it's like, oh, it just hit me right in the heart. It was amazing. I mean, I think that's something really lovely that they included. Um, I think one of the hallmarks of the, of the character of Ahsoka is her um, her empathy for other 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 beings. She is a really like a kind and deeply good person. Um, so there was a real warmth from her, even though you know, like. I think that they represented the hardships that she's gone through really well. There's a steeliness in her that's that's uh, not there when you first meet her in the Clone Wars, and you, I think that's perfect. That's that's bang on. That this has, you know, it's been a part of her character that she's developed over the years. But that kind of warmth and uh, love that she has um, was really beautifully um depicted and uh, another moment like that is at the end when um she has said no i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna train him and uh the mandalorian is leaving with him and you see little uh grogu uh, kind of looking at her over the mando's shoulder and she gives that smile and that nod and yeah that i think that really sweet side to Ahsoka's character was depicted really well so uh, and again that scene bang in the feels was amazing I swear to god like who knows I don't know why I don't know why but uh, this is the most like tearful I've been in um, almost uh, any film or TV show I think um yeah, it's up there for sure. Now, they got her lovely side, but they also got the total face-kicking side down re perfectly as well. Like when they when they finally like raid the raid the city and she just flips over that over the wall. Killer. All that stuff looked super good. Like I would say there was maybe one or two shots where I was like that looks like a TV shot that wasn't quite fast or like, bam, you know, like a springy enough or something, but 95% of it looked super killer. Speaking of the town and the magistrate and her uh, mercenary and her soldiers, dude, I mean, I just, I cannot overstate how how much like uh, star like star wars design when when it's like when it's when it when it's right 
it's just my favorite thing. Like, uh, she looked cool. Um, what's her name? Morgan something erstwhile or eh, I can't remember. But she looked great. Uh, the mercenary played by is it Michael Bean, who uh, of course uh, was in the first Terminator movie. That's his most famous other role. He looked incredible. And man, I just sometimes I get a bit jealous of people who maybe have uh, lived harder lives than me. Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. But when you get, like, older actors, and especially, like, I think with a, it's a lot of people who have an American accent. And if they've smoked a pack of cigarettes or 10 in their lifetime and they get that, like, just gravelly voice, I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this voice. Smooth. I want more gravel. Ah, maybe i got to start gargling thumbtacks or something anyway um he looked awesome and the soldiers looked awesome really cool design and the droids what is it the hk87 uh assassin droids see this is again sorry to sorry to bring the uh bring the the, the enthusiasm down but when i see like the droids like that and i just go like they look cool like they're stylish, they're menacing. And then I look at the battle droids from the prequels and I just go, oh, why did they make the battle droids 100% joke material? Why couldn't they have gone like 70% menace and 30% humor or something? Like, I just, I thought, you know, because after the prequels, I, actually, I just started to think like, I'm not into... I'm not into maybe I'm just I just don't think droid soldiers should be a thing in Star Wars maybe you know droids are of course deep in the DNA of Star Wars but maybe having droids running around you know doing more than what we see in the original trilogy is maybe just not right or something I don't know uh but seeing these two in this episode definitely made me th think like I would have been much more accepting of the droid army and everything in the prequels um, if the droids had looked more like these two. Um, but yeah, it was all super stylish. The city looked cool. That warning gong and the way that um, that Ludwig Jonansson blended the soundtrack with that gong in those opening scenes was so dramatic and so like threatening was awesome the music in this episode is super good um yeah mr yaronson kicking ass great stuff um so the magistrate uh what was the actress's name again something Innocento. um she was great uh and get this she actually happens to be the goddaughter of none other than Bruce freaking Lee. She's apparently a very experienced uh, martial artist. Um, I think she's done a lot of choreography, you know, fight choreography and training for uh, people in Hollywood. Um, so this is not her first rodeo, but I really liked her character. 
um, there was this kind of regal quality to her, this kind, of, a little bit of a superior quality to her. I loved that. I loved um, Governor Wing or Magistrate Wing or whatever the guy, the, you know, the leader who had obviously been um, kind of uh, kicked out of office in order for them to take over. Oh, he was great. I just I thought every, I actually looked him up on IMDb. Couldn't find anything. Um, I wonder if he is like an actor that we, you know, maybe he's um, maybe he's a Chinese actor or something. And because he exuded like um, ex, uh, experience and expertise in every scene, I thought everything about him was really well thought out and and executed and he, i really loved that character um yeah i would like to learn more about him um yeah so um great stuff the town looked awesome i think that's some of the like some of the best like city design that we've seen in the mandalorian so far like i like navarro um, Tatooine is Tatooine, you know, classic stuff. Um, but I, I felt like, um, this one gave a little bit more of a feeling of, um, scale and not being like, it didn't look like a set with extras as much as some other shots in the Mandalorian have, at least to my eyes. Um, and I loved, um, you know, I've often criticized, especially episode one, where, you know, like Naboo is uh, is under an occupation, but you never see any of the uh, the people of Naboo or what that occupation entails. And um, this really showed, you know, what, what kind of like a brutal dictatorship these people were living under. And uh, I think that was really, really, um, really effective. And then when you go through those inner gates into the like the the palace grounds, and you're suddenly in this oasis of uh, beauty and opulence, fantastic. And again, I mean, people who know me will know I lived in Japan for a long time, and um, naturally I have a bit of a uh, a taste for Japanese stuff, and yeah, the the Japanese style designs in that uh, garden and uh, in that set were fantastic. Um, yeah, so good, man. Um, I think um, one okay. One of the action highlights. I mean, it goes for like ten seconds at the most. Um, was when um, Din Djarin is. Uh, first looking for Ahsoka out, you know, out beyond the gates and it's such a brutal, like when she attacks him, it's brutal and you just like see that he was lucky to survive that. And then like how creative it was from the, well, now we know Beskar, like lightsabers can't cut Beskar, which makes perfect sense, you know. When you think about um, the Mandalorians and the Jedi as being these, you know, traditional enemies, of course that that armor 
meaning what it does, this shows you one reason why it has that meaning. Uh, it's really great. So that was a cool, cool moment, you know, and, and like, again, like the, aggr how aggressive she was when she attacked and the sound design really sold it. And then like, bam, with the, with the, with the flamethrower, bam, with the, um, with the, uh, what would you call it? Like the toe, the cable. And it just like the animation on that looked perfect. Like, uh, really. And then like the way he like. <laughs> Like she jumps over that branch and then causes him to get strung up. And then the, like the way it's over so suddenly. And then that, you know, like he, he says like, you know, Sokotano, Bokutan sent me. We have to talk. And we, that like really lovely line. You guys, I hope, uh, I hope it's about him. And, uh, you know, talking about uh, uh, Grogu. <laughs> it's a funny name but it's great yeah so that was super nice i loved those uh creatures off in the distance crunching on um crunching on burnt up trees i think i mean okay so there's been a bit of a cult of dave filoni for years at this point um people who uh i think that I mean, one th one reason that he has been such uh, so popular f amongst fans is the fact that um, he is a hundred percent like one of us. He is uh, he's a, a Star Wars super fan. Um, you know, he used to cosplay as Plo Koon, <laughs> um, and I think you know, for a lot of us, seeing one of our own reach a point where they were actually he was actually sitting next to George Lucas and making Star Wars. That um, really caused people to really welcome him and um, and fall in love with Dave Filoni. And he's a super great, good, likable dude, you know, which helps. Um, now, you know, I, I'm really enjoying this Clone Wars rewatch, but as I said, I have said many times before, on the original run through as they were as those episodes were being released i was i liked it a lot but they were you know that when, when there was a, a moment or a, a scene or a, an episode that i didn't like it felt like it was a bit uh, it was a bit much and especially like like i guess you know the clone wars like every episode of that came from like a george lucas concept like george lucas was basically going like I want to do this story. I want to do this story. And then they pass it off to writers to flesh it out and whatnot. So when there are episodes of like C-3PO and R2-D2 on wacky adventures or, you know, these less fan favorite episodes, you can say, well, you know, that wasn't Filoni wanting to do that story. It was basically George going, hey, how about this? This would be cool. And then Filoni going, all right, I guess we'll find a way to make it, make it work. Um, so you can't blame him for that, but like there's stuff in Rebels that it feels like, like you know, people can have good taste and bad taste, and that was like, like you got bad taste in Star Wars, bro. <laughs> if that's what if you think this is cool, uh, one of the most classic uh, um, examples of that is the Heli Sabers, where um, Inquisitors basically 
use these spinny saber things and like the basically span lightsabers in the air and then took off like it turned them into uh, human helicopters and it was just yeah not um, not super cool but then there's lots of great stuff in Rebels too so um, yeah so there there's been a lot of stuff in the past with Dave that made me go like I like the guy he's done some amazing stuff but some of it's a bit yeah. Um, and then you know, as the like the criticism around the new films, which I love, started up, and of course people were like, "Get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. We want Dave Filoni should be in charge." I think I think I kind of in a way reacted to that those kind of comments by f- feeling a little animosity towards Dave Filoni, and there's like for no reason at all because. All he's done is uh, be an awesome Star Wars fan, Star Wars creator, and all-round guy. So, but those were the reasons why I had those feelings, I think. Then when uh, the first season of The Mandalorian rolled around, and um, I thought the first episode had a lot to like about it, but but to me, uh, there were a lot of... Moments that made me go like, Ugh, nah, this is not super good. And then um, his other episode, chapter five, I think a lot of people, if they had to choose their least favorite episode, would probably choose that one. Um, like, I don't know who was is responsible for casting Jay, what's his face for um, Toro Calican, but. Filoni signed off on that like it's just like like it's an okay episode but it's just like yeah I just to me it felt like if you're looking if you think like Dave Filoni is your like savior and he's like give him all the movies and blah 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 I'm sorry but his episodes were probably the weakest of the whole first season of The Mandalorian so he's just not ready like he hasn't done enough live action but I'm very happy to report that um, I thought that this this episode showed what the dude can potentially do in live action because, I mean, like everything I've said so far, awesome, awesome, awesome. And I think there were things that were um, a real testament to his directing. And one thing is like the amount of time like space that was given to so many of the um to so many of the scenes um like the scene i mentioned where where ahsoka is first communicating with grogu and it's just like you know maybe other people might have hurried that a bit more but he let it breathe and i thought i think it was it really benefited from that. And there were so many great... Like, there's... After, like, um, Ahsoka has, you know, like, attacked the city and gotten over the gates and blah, blah, blah. And then there's this kind of scene where you've got um, the magistrate and the, the 
the mercenary and all the guards and the droids and uh, down one end of this street and Ahsoka's up the other end. Again, I felt like that letting it breathe, let the letting the tension build. That was super nice. Uh, the in, the cutting between um, Ahsoka and the magistrates fight and this kind of um, classic Western standoff between the mercenary and Din Djarin was uh, that was that was really well done. And I loved the, that that standoff, and I loved the uh, the quick draw, bam, and then the uh, the the gunslinger style spinning of the gun back into the holster. Loved it. That was super good. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's possible. Like I feel like if Dave can do. Another couple of episodes or something before they throw throw him into a like a a full length film. That would be great, just so he can really get solid. But uh, I mean, that's coming from me, who's <laughs> never made a film, obviously. But um, yeah, that's how it looks to me. Um, so yeah, a couple of. I mean, yeah, this is one th one criticism, I guess, of Dave is that he keeps bringing in his favorite bits or stuff that he made into every freaking show. So now we have Ahsoka. <laughs> but we also had a Lothcat. So that, that was another Falloniism that uh, brought in. Uh, one nice thing was to see the owl. I'm not sure that, like, has Falloni ever expli explicitly described what that... Um, Al means, you know, every time, like often when you see it, it's, it's this creature that kind of represents Ahsoka's spirit in some way. Um, yeah, so you got to see that owl, which is really nice. Uh, you saw the loth cat. Hmm. But it was, uh, it was good. Um, now, there are, I think, you know, part of the reason this episode feels so jam-packed is, like, the action stuff, killer. The, um, the emotional moments, killer. But the information and lore were, was also, like, there was tons of that stuff to pay attention to. Um, I mean, A... Where is Grand 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 Admiral Thrawn? That's uh, that's big. And again, like okay, now we're bringing another another known character into the story. Is this necessary? But maybe um, maybe that's gonna be the basis for the Ahsoka Tano TV series, the rumored Ahsoka Tano TV series, possibly Leslie Headland's series. Um, you're not necessarily gonna see Thrawn in the Mandalorian. Yeah, so that's cool. That's right. Um, so that was big, of course, uh, learning that Yoju, sorry, Grogu, um, grew up on, um, on Coruscant, uh, you know, he was actually living at the Jedi temple and being trained by various Jedi masters. It's kind of cool. Like, like how she said, like he was trained by, um, a number of masters and you think like, well, he, he ages so slowly. Like, you have to think, yeah, you can't, like, just stay with one master for five years and then you're, like, ready to go. Like, 
his development moves at such a slow rate that um, you can imagine like he maybe he trained with this one for five years and then that one for eight years and then no, no, no. And it's kind of nice. I like the idea like maybe like a plant that grows really fast, like bamboo or something. It, you end up, you get a very thin stem or stalk to the plant, but like a, a, a like a, I don't know. Uh, like the, the, some like a, a pine tree or something, you know, takes longer to grow, but that there's a, a strength and power in the trunk that doesn't exist in plants that grow quickly. So maybe you can kind of think of that as like that particular species develop very like deep seated and like um, unshakable abilities in the force because of the time it takes for them to uh, to age and to grow. Um, yeah, just a just a little fan theory on my part. Um, yeah. So that was that was cool to hear that, and then to hear that he was you know taken from the temple. At the end of the Clone Wars, who who took him? I my feeling is it was someone friendly, but we don't know. Why does it get dark after that? What happened? Ah, oh, I wonder. Like if do they know? I mean, like, whew. I mean that's big that's big story stuff. And um yeah, the idea that he's kind of been hiding his abilities for safety's sake. The fact that you know, like I mean some of the lines felt a little bit like callbacky, like, you know, like I sense much fear in you or whatever, and you kinda of go like, Really? Yoju's pretty just chilling all the time? But then there there have been moments like when when Din Djarin and Karadun were arm wrestling and uh, he got all protective and started choking Karadun. Um, yeah, maybe there is this kind of um, protectiveness that comes from you know not wanting to lose someone that he's become close to. So I guess it, it tracks well enough. Um, so that's cool the, but then of course like one of the other biggest bits of uh, plot or, uh, or whatever was um, this at the end when Ahsoka tells him to go to um, Tython I think the planet is called to sit on the seeing stone put Yoju on the seeing stone and by the way I call I call Baby Yoda Yoju this was created by Steel Saunders. It's a Simpsons reference. Stuart, you'll probably like that one. <laughs> the kids can call you Hoju, but this one is Yoda Jr., so Yoju. Um, uh, yeah, so she, she tells Din Djarin to go and place Grogu on the seeing stone and for him to kind of like call out to any Jedi that might be out there. I mean, if that's not setting up a meeting with Luke Skywalker, then I don't know what what it could be. Unless it's Ezra. <laughs> Which, like, ugh. I don't know. Maybe they can save that character by doing him well in live action, but I, find, I found him annoying in Rebels. Sorry. 
Um, yeah. So, um, and I just think the scope of the show is just growing and growing. Like, if you had asked me after the first couple of episodes, do you think Luke Skywalker would show up in this sh- in this show? I would have said, uh, no, actually. <laughs> I doubt that very much. But um, I don't doubt it anymore. Uh, I think that there's... Um, yeah. This show can go anywhere now. Um, now, that, of course, raises the question... How, how would they do that? Um, now, if you're if you're part of the Star Wars fan community, you would have heard, uh, you know, the fan the fan casting favorite for for a younger Luke Skywalker. By young, I mean like older than he was in the original trilogy, younger than he is in the sequel trilogy. Um, yeah, but a younger Luke Skywalker would be Sebastian Stan, who played the Winter Soldier in the Marvel films, because uh, some smart cookie. Realize that he looks very, very similar to Mark Hamill, actually. And if you do a bit of a, a bit of Photoshop on him and fix the hair, give him Luke Skywalker hair, then it is. It's remarkably close. Uh, he's a good actor. Um, so for sure, I'd be up for Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker. Um, I mean, Luke Skywalker is my favorite character of all time, and he's been played exclusively by Mark Hamill in live-action Star Wars. Um, so, you know, I've heard other people go, well, maybe they would do a de-aged Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they do it, if they if they put the money into it, I don't know, like, I think... I just think with the how effective uh, deepfake technology is you know like i feel a bit wary because i thought tarkin i didn't like tarkin in rogue one i thought that absolutely looked like just a very 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 high-end cutscene from a video game um leia at the end of that film i i i I disliked less i thought it was pretty good but overall i feel like um it never really looks like a real person but deep fakes like the um, the resolution on them is not that high; they're a bit fuzzy, so maybe that that helps sell them a bit. But there's something about those where, like, the when people talk and stuff, to me it looks really good. Like it really it looks like a real person talking, even though it, like the the resolution ain't that high. So maybe that's covering up uh, deficiencies. But um, I would say. Sebastian Stan or whoever, like Sebastian Stan as Luke just with no shenanigans or Sebastian Stan with a bit of a, with a like deep fake Mark Hamill uh, laid over the top just to, you know, because he's, he already looks like Luke, but you can, you can really send it over the top, I think with, um, with, uh, with, with a deep fake on there. Or, as other people have said, you know, a de-aged or deep-faked current Mark Hamill playing a younger Luke Skywalker. I think that if he's wrapped up in robes and stuff, you can get away with it. But I just think, like, 
the Luke that we know from shortly after Return of the Jedi, because this is set, you know, not more than five or six years after Return of the Jedi. He still has to be like slim and athletic. And uh, that's just not where Mark Hamill is in his life right now. Um, but could he come in to do the voice? Maybe. I don't know. They didn't bring Ashley Eckstein coming to come uh, to come in and do Ahsoka's voice. Um, and I'm a thousand percent happy with that. So let's see. I don't know. Might never happen, of course. Let's see. So, uh, yep. All around, um, yeah, for me, this is absolutely one of the best episodes of the series. So far, my favorites have been Chapter 2 with the Jawas and the Mudhorn, uh, which, you know, now looking back, it seems so quaint and so simple. Like, yeah, I'm chasing Jawas, I'm hanging out with Quill, fighting a big monster. But to me, it just like got the humor and the, there were some really touching moments with uh, Yoju and um, it was such a killer episode. Then my other favorite would be Chapter 9, The Marshal, the first episode of this season. Just like, wow, what a just, just amazing moment after amazing moment. And this is the, the other of my favorites so far. Um, yeah, I'm going to be watching this one again, again and again, uh, for years to come, I think. All right. Great time. Great times to be a Star Wars fan. I just like, sometimes I'm just like overwhelmed with just like gratitude for, to Star Wars. Like, like I have, you know, I, I'm not unaware that it's a bit weird to be this into something, you know? Um, you know, why am I, or any of us, like, because there's mil not millions maybe, but there are a lot of very obsessive Star Wars fans out there. What is it about this that makes it mean so much to us? Who cares at the end of the day? It, it but it, it's, re it is the, what it, it is, what it is, or it is, it, this is it. This is true. Uh, you know, this is how we feel. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, thank you, Star Wars, for, you know, making life exciting and fun. Because sometimes life is exciting and fun. Sometimes it's less exciting and less fun. But Star Wars is there to help you through those times. And, uh, yeah, great, 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 great. Um, all right. What else has been going on for me, Star Wars-wise? Well, um... Again, you know, I've been watching Clone Wars episodes that might have been a pretty painful the first time around, but which I've enjoyed a lot more this time. Um, Gungan General I just watched, and this one, uh, Nomad Droids or whatever. It's just like R2-D2 and C-3PO going from wacky adventure to wacky adventure. Yeah, I'm still having fun with it. I'm still having fun. Uh, even with these less awesome episodes. Um, yeah, well, I mean, one thought that kind of occurred to me, like, I think the prequels have some um, really good designs. Like, people often talk about the Naboo Starfighter as being one of the best things that came out of those three films. 
But I've got to say, like, the the separatist capital ships, they're just not very memorable. Like, when people talk about Star Wars design, they often say that um, a good Star Wars design should be something that you can just draw the draw a silhouette of with like between four and six lines and immediately you know what it is um obviously the republic ships basically look like star destroyers so winning um but the the separatist ships i don't think like does anyone except like real nerds remember even what they look like I don't think they nailed that, to be honest. I just think we would, like, one of my favorite things now watching Clone Wars, especially on a big 4K TV, is um, is uh, the space battles. Because I think, you know, when you've got animated people, you're it's never going to really look that close to live action. But animated space battles, because it's machines in space... It looks almost like a live-action show in a way, and I just uh, I always get swept up in the Star Wars feeling when I see that stuff. But I just think um, maybe if the Separatist ships had been a little more memorable somehow, that would have been cool. Uh, I also watched a... You know, I'm very slowly making my way through the second and final season of Resistance. I gotta say, man... It's, it's good. <laughs> it's not wonderful, but it's good. Um, I think, especially visually, I'm I'm such a fan of it. Like on a big 4K TV, it's so crisp looking, and um, and I just love the sequel trilogy designs, like all the first order stuff. And you're like, well, <laughs> of course you do. They're basically the original trilogy designs, but tweaked. Yes. But um, it, they're not exactly the same. Like, I love First Order Stormtroopers. I think they look sick. Mm. So the episode that I watched where there's this uh, bounty hunter hunting down Kaz and this other resistance um, agent was good, man. I really had fun. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Once I finish Resistance, will I ever watch it again? You know, you never know. I think it's just like it's just nice eye candy, and you know I like the show. I like some like some of the characters are cool. It's weird that Captain Dozer is an exact copy of Captain Global from Robotech, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, all right, so it's time. Let's do. Uh, we gotta we gotta choose a movie for our continued scene by scene rewatch. Um. But I think I know which one I'm doing. So we did a saga film to start off with, The Rise of Skywalker. So now we're going to loop. I'm not going to do the prequels because I've done my I've done my uh, commentaries on those already. I wanted them done like a big diarrhea sheet. <laughs> Sorry. That's just how I feel. Um the other the rest of the films I want to take uh, take it a bit more slowly. I don't like I might get all around to the original trilogy at some point, but I also feel like like what what more can be said really at this point? It's just they've been 
analyzed to absolute death and um I love them, you love them. I'm not sure I can tell you anything that you haven't already heard. Um but so I'm really I'm, I'm really going after the 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 new films for now. And uh so I thought like since we did the last one let's just loop around and go to chronologically the earliest of the newest films and that is Solo, of course, it's a personal favorite of mine. Um, yeah, I'm ready to get into this. I was, I was hesitating a bit because I haven't watched it for a while, so of course I don't. I kind of want to save that the the next time I watch it to be a full watch. But it's all right. These are the sacrifices we make for the joy of podcasting. Anyway, all right, let's do it. Scene by scene rewatch and commentary of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Punch it! All right. If you've heard me talk Star Wars before, you'll know that um, the Solo film is a personal favorite of mine. I think, um, you know, when uh, when I saw it the, for the first time, I thought, yeah, this is pretty much what everyone was expecting. Like... It's not life changing. It's just uh, just good fun. Uh, not gonna go home and get solo any like solo a Star Wars story <laughs> tattoos or anything. But it's good. It's good. It's fine. Yeah. And then when I saw it for the second time, I was just like, mm, "This soup is sure tasty." And then as I saw it again and again. You know, like all of the recent Star Wars movies, I saw th- I saw this one six times in the cinema, um, and I just I just loved it more and more and more, and it's turned into one of my you know favorite Star Wars movies. Um, it you know it doesn't have the the, the high stakes, uh, the the melodrama you know of of the Star- Skywalker saga at all. Um, but I think it's a genuinely warm-hearted, funny, super good-looking. Like the designs are killer. Um, the solo uh, art of book is one of my favorites. Um, Emphasis rules. Uh, Dryden Voss was a good villain. Um, Han and Chewie together are freaking magic. Kira is cool uh Lando for fuck's sake come on like it's hit after hit I think with this movie so um here we go I've got it pretty much hang on yeah I'm on zero 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 on uh, Disney plus here um and again can you believe I'm sitting here and there is a T- Star Wars freaking TV channel on my TV like, seriously, none of us should ever complain ever again about anything. <sighs> All right. So here we go. We're going to watch uh, the opening of uh, of Solo. And I love this, uh, this, this these early shots. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll hear that once we get there. There is the shiny Lucasfilm Limited logo, which is basically synonymous with good times to, to come. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far, far away. Um, it's funny, like, that 
mm, Rogue One and this didn't have crawls, but I, like I'm, it's good that they freed themselves from having to to do that. But it's funny also that Solo does it. This is a crawl. They just haven't put it in the same format. Uh, talking about um, you know it is a lawless time and all that stuff. But I love this. On these mean streets, a young man fights for survival, but yearns to fly among the stars. Come on! There were, where it's like dark, and then this like him hot wiring, like sparks, and it's... That's an amazing moment in Star Wars. I love the soundtrack here. Like, uh, what's his name? John Powell, I think, on the soundtrack. Nailed it. Ah! You get, you see, this is a, uh, yeah, Imperial shipbuilding yard. You've got Star Destroyers being built. This logo, the Solo logo, is, that's great. Especially after the Rogue One logo title, and that was horrible. <laughs> I remember being in the cinema just going, is this a joke? Because the beginning of Rogue One ruled, you know. Anyway, uh, what was my reaction to seeing Alden Ehrenreich as Solo at first? Yep, I was like a little bit like, mm, okay, that's a bit funny. But within, I think within like a minute, I was like, yep, that's Han Solo. Bring him back. Come on, make Solo 2 happen. On, um, on Disney Plus if you have to. Um, I, I remember like, like some of the, the bad guy voices here sound very cartoonish, which is not that great, but, um, you know, okay. Let's, let's address this. People complaining that the film was too dark, that the cinematography wasn't bright enough. Shut up. Like, I just, he's supposed, Yeah. I've said this on the podcast before. This is supposed to be, um, you know, people, that downtrodden people, oppressed people, and they're busting free. So the darkness is symbolic. And it also plays into the story of, you know, Mother Proxima and Moloch being um, sensitive to light. So I think it's great. But look, look at, ah, look at, look at Kira. She is super... Oh, man, see, this is it. Alright, I'm actually, I've decided to try not to pause stuff too much. So people can follow along if they want. But look at the weathering on their outfits. It's really good. I just think, like, this is something that the that maybe TV is going to struggle to do. Um, I, I'm not sure that they have the time and the budget to weather all the outfits as much as uh, I would love them to. But I just think like everything you see here looks really lived in. I love that. Moloch, cool character. I have that, that figure and it's a great figure. Oh, I love him. I love his little short blaster. Great stuff. Um, okay, here comes Mother Proxima. I like the design of the character. But the voice, again, is pretty cartoony. You know, like... I just think, like, a more slithery... 
voice would have been cool. But uh, yeah, he's Han being Hanish. I just like. There have been a couple of the newer Star Wars movies that start with like kind of jokes that are so like silly and like risky in a way that uh, that really just makes me go like, are, are, we, are we doing this? One of them was in the Last Jedi, uh, that with that opening thing, um, but in this film as well, um, where he busts out the rock. As a thermal detonator. <laughs> so silly. Mm. Yes. I see. I'm into... I, I think aliens with, um, you know, not speaking basic and with subtitles. Keep that up. That's a part of Star Wars. Always has been. Love it. Coaxium Chobadi. Oh, you know something? Speaking of language, is something I forgot to mention. Those assassin droids in... Okay, he's doing... He's, in the, the, yeah, the, those assassin droids in that, in that episode of The Mandalorian. One of them, it sounds like he says, Boshuda. So are they speaking Hatiz? Hmm. Gonna have to do some investigation. All right, here we go. Han and Kira jumping in the the speeder that Han stole. And this section, this whole sequence rules, I reckon. Bam! I just think um, Moloch looks cool as hell. And the blaster sound effects, everything is cool. Look at this. Han and Kira breaking free. Love it. Look at Karelia. I mean, it's so crazy, you know, when you've been hearing about these places for decades and you finally, um, you finally get to see it. It's kind of weird that Kira has these beautifully uh, sparkly, beautifully painted sparkly nails. <laughs> I'm not sure that um, is in line with being a scrum rat exactly, but whatever. But I just, look at this. Ah! Oh! Moloch's speeder looks like a tank this chase scene rules i love that they filmed it by oh, that close-up of han's eyes is great i love that they um filmed this by uh putting actual vehicles on wheels filming them and then um you know cgiing out the wheels later it just gives them a real like a real world movement and that shot you know when ah oh, the, the drifting around the corners and stuff is great. All the shots. Oh, I love this bit. <laughs> Protocol. Ah, oh, droid. Droid humor. I love it. Look at that. Just like... All that water. Like, you get that, like... Like that kind of like water splash on the camera effect as the speeder goes past, kicking up this moisture. So cool. And I just love this uh, biker scout. You know, this it's not the like the biker scouts. I can't remember what the correct name for that tr those troopers are. Hmm, what are they called? 
But I love that uh, speeder bike where it basically looks like a chock top. Or like it's just like a wedge of cheese, kind of. But um, yeah, that's super cool. Now I, I feel like when they go through here into this factory, there's like TIE fighter parts. But I always kind of... Yeah, there they are. I see. I always saw these Tie Fighter parts in the in the concept art, and I always like was like, I don't um, I don't remember seeing that. So I think I was just was so kind of caught up in the chase. Mmm. But this is a good bit of uh, Han comedy. I <laughs> just love his face. <laughs> oh, and that just looks so well done. It's so um. Nicely done there. Very fun. And these like these uh these hounds that they have chasing them down. Fantastic. Look at that spaceport. Now we come in like so nice to see stormtroopers. Always. And these like the Imperials with those big wacky helmets. Love that. See, this is it. I just think like God bless the Mandalorian and the all the upcoming TV shows. But I just I'm not sure that they can have this kind of scale that you see in the films. They just can't. Now this is okay. I'm gonna say something weird soon. Warning. Man, Moloch looks cool. See that? That guard, that guard saying next. It's really sexy. Next. Ooh, I should probably try to erase that. Mm, I don't know. But I don't know if they tried to do it sexy on purpose or not. But uh, pretty nice. But we're, uh, yeah. We're heading up to a pretty emotional moment, actually. I remember... Being quite touched by this each time I saw it in the film, in the cinema, I should say. Yeah. It's funny with Amelia Clark. Like, she had moments in Game of Thrones where she was killer and moments when she was, like, less killer. But I think she's excellent, like, start to finish in this film. Look at this Imperial officer. Yeah, sorry, I'm doing that thing where, like, when people are doing commentaries and then they just end up like, forgetting to talk because they're watching the movie. Hmm. But it's interesting, like, um, I think we've seen quite a lot of, like, diff but there you go. She has a British accent. See? Imperial officers should have imp British accents. That's the rule from now on. Gonna write to Dave Filoni and John Favreau and tell them. But now this, like, I think this would have been really hard to make work, but they totally make it work. That Han gets through the that gate, but she gets grabbed by Moloch's thugs. I think it. I think it would have been really hard to um, sell that, just as being like, like, how does one of them get through and not two of them? You know, but it, that totally worked. Holden, acting his ass off. Re doing a really good job of it, actually. I love the slobber that those um, 
those hounds leave on the on the on the door there. It's interesting, like um, you don't see the, uh, that much of a vulnerable side to to Han in the films, but um, yeah, you see it here, and understandably. Um, mm, nice dramatic score. Great. <laughs> uh, sadly, this whole section ends on the... Ah, uh, no, okay. This scene I'm, I don't love, but it also leads into one of the, my favorite Star Wars jokes of all time. Are you ready? Are you ready for one of my Star Wars favorite Star Wars jokes? Here we go. So basically, Han's talking, you know, signing up. Signing up to join the Empire. He wants to be a pilot. For some reason, they let him. Um, he makes a good officer, though. But this whole thing with their name, it sucks. Like... I don't think there's anything about this movie I don't like except for this thing where like especially when like like Han like later on he clearly remembers his dad knows what his like his job was and stuff how does why is why doesn't he have a, a surname this like Han Solo nah not good hmm Good luck, Han Solo. We'll have you flying in no time. The next shot. Boom! Han flying through the air. <laughs> Love it. All right. That's where we pause. Oh, we're getting into Mimban, which is kind of... It's nice. Um, in the in last week's episode of The Mandalorian, we had a Mimbanese uh, mechanic who was a key part of the story. Great stuff. I mean, again, like... I think any of us who are part of the original trilogy generation who grew up feeling like we would never get Star Wars, any more Star Wars ever again. Um, if you like the prequels, then you had a great time during that era. And if you, um, like me, didn't love those, maybe you've had some cause to celebrate in the last five years. I feel very lucky and very happy. Uh, it's it's good stuff. All right. Now, um, just back to the Mandalorian briefly. There are three episodes left in the season. I wonder, like uh, last season, the last two episodes were basically one big story. Uh, I wonder if this one will do one more kind of like side quest type story and then the last two episodes will be the finale again or they could go for three episodes for the finale this time maybe. But we got to keep in mind that uh, Moff Gideon has a tracker on the Razor Crest so they are coming for him. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, he, of course, has the Darksaber. Will Bo-Katan show up to try to claim it? Will Ahsoka Tano turn up to save his Mandalorian ass? Let's see what happens. Exciting times. All right. 
thank you so much for listening. I'm uh, happy to be a Star Wars fan right now. Uh, this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton, and I'm going to say that again. Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Ah!